Good morning. You guys want to start getting settled down? You guys look like you're having so much fun. It's loud in here today. Does someone have an Allen wrench? This thing's a little wobbly. No, I'm kidding. Hand tighten it. Wow, we have a full house today. Honestly, thought there was going to be like no one here. Maybe hoping no one would be here. No, I'm kidding. Um, I know there's a number of people out on vacation. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, so many good faces this morning. So if you guys don't know me, uh, my name is Jeremy Frischnecht. Um, here's my wife, Nicole, here. Uh, we lead the uh, Beho Community Group. Um, and we have been around for a long time. Um, we've been around since 2017. Um, and kind of just, God called us here and we're still here. So um, it's pretty cool how God is faithful um, in his leadings to his people. Um, and um, I think was it early January was also announced that I'm going to be going through the process of eldership. Um, so sometime this fall, I don't know, it's, it's been a crazy summer uh, with, with Dan gone and Obed gone here and there. So we will, we'll see if that still tracks the same timing, but this fall sometime to be determined. Um, but yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, um, every summer in the month of August, we do a summer series. Um, so maybe this is your first summer series with us. Maybe this is your second summer series with us. Um, but this year, I'm very excited um, about this year's title, titled Rejoicing In. Um, and I think this is a perfect topic um, to follow up from our last series in Philippians. Um, as we try to break down some more of the themes that we covered in Philippians and apply it to our lives. So this is going to be a three-part series um, for you guys. So starting today and then the next three weeks, um, or next two weeks, rather. Um, today we're going to be focusing on rejoicing in community, and then we'll be focusing on rejoicing in the gospel, uh, and then we'll be focusing on rejoicing in hardship. Um, and so I know, know for most people... Uh, Kids are going back to school. I feel like summer is kind of wrapping up for people. But honestly, like for me, when this summer series starts, it's starting to feel like summer more. For me, I mean, it's also blazing hot outside. The water's warming up. Um, and we have baptisms coming up at the end of this month. So it really feels like summer to me. And so I am excited for this month. Um, but so since this is going to be the opening of the series, I did want to briefly focus part of our time on what it means to rejoice, the theme of rejoicing. Um, and then we'll dive into more of what it means to rejoice specifically in community. Um, and so um, I guess if you guys want to stand up, this is a new tradition that we do since I've last preached. Um, we're going to go into God's word. So it's going to be the first seven verses of Psalm 135 and then Psalm 133. And it should be up here for you guys to track along. So Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, 
who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. And Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Pray with me real quick. Father God, um, we thank you for your word. Um, how it leads us to rejoice. Um, and not only rejoice, but specifically rejoicing community that you've given us um, here on earth, God. Um, so we pray uh, this morning that you would uh, speak to us through your word. Um, your spirit would fill me. Um, you'd open up the hearts of everyone here this morning to hear your word. We love you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can see it. I always get thirsty for some reason. Always happens. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not the most poetic person in the world. Um, if you ask my wife or my family or some of my close friends, they might even say, words are not my strong suit. Um, and one embarrassing and pretty funny thing that I do is totally butcher idioms. Um, you know those things, those phrases that we use to like describe something? I just can't get them right. Um, I'm not going to share any of you, any of those with you guys this morning, but if you do um, want to ask my wife for some of the worst offenders, you'll have to talk to her. So, um, But as a result, the, the book of Psalms has always been a tough book for, for me personally in the Bible to really enjoy and relate to um, and even learn from at times. Um, and this has been, been hard too because there's so many people around me that really do love the book of Psalms and whose lives have been transformed um, by the poetic words that are contained within. <laughs> and so throughout my life as a follower of Christ, um, I've really had to work at understanding and relating to the Psalms. Um, and it, it really wasn't until the last few years of, of my life that I started to find myself just opening up the book of, of Psalms when I needed to just be reminded about who God was. So all that to say, one, I never thought I'd be up here preaching the book of Psalms. Um, two, if you're like me, um, keep giving Psalms a chance. God will um, speak to you through them, even if you're not a poetic person. And three, if you, if you love the book of Psalms, I, I, I do hope that these truths today um, are filling to your soul. So first, looking at Psalm 135, we see through this entire passage um, that it's all about praising God and rejoicing in him. Uh, we're not going to go through uh, these verses in its entirety, um, but I, when I do read this passage, one that sticks out to me is verse 3, and it reads, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. And an I just think of this morning, we did that already. We, we sang to the Lord, for he is good, he is pleasant. Um, rejoicing or praising God is a theme that I have been seeing up pop up, have, have been seeing pop up throughout the Bible um, throughout this year, and it's something that the Lord has been actually convicting me of um, throughout this year. Even uh, Danny Butler, I don't know if he's here this morning, there he is, um, he pointed this out last week in his reflection on, on uh, Philippians. In Philippians 1.18, Paul says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. 
Um, so this isn't a new theme. Um, rejoicing is littered throughout the entire Bible from the beginning to the end. Um, and it's all pointed to rejoicing, rejoicing towards Christ, God, the creator of our universe. And so the Hebrew word here, specifically in this Psalm 135, um, for praise is actually defined as a clear, sharp tone or sound. Praise, therefore, is this expression of rejoicing or this expression of thanksgiving. In today's culture, we often hear the word, let's lift up a praise. And I think this is a great way to define rejoicing this morning. So how often are we praising God and rejoicing in what he has given us and what he has promised to us? As this theme has been coming up in my life, I have been asking people this question. How often are you rejoicing in what God has given you? Do you wake up on a Monday with a full week ahead of you? We all know Mondays are the worst day of the week. Um, and before you know, doing anything, we just start rejoicing um, and praising God that you have a job, maybe that you're awake and you're alive, um, that you have a family and, and friends that love you, and even that you have a relationship with Jesus, creator of this universe. Well, I know for me, that's, that's not me. I'm not a, a, usually a, a self-induced re rejoicer. Um, I don't normally just wake up in the morning and rejoice that I'm sleeping on a nice bed and have a roof over my head. Um, I'm trying to work on this, um, hoping this will become more of a rhythm in my life. Um, but normally, something external has to trigger that response of rejoice in me. Um, and I think, you know, this is like kind of that cause and effect here. So one, one story, my wife and I, we went beach camping a couple weeks ago for a week. Um, and we were in a tent on really crummy sleeping pads. Uh, it was our dog's first time ever camping. And let's just say it was, you know, we've gotten better sleep than we got that week. Uh, we got back to our home. Um, we're about to lay in bed, and as soon as the mattress touched our backs. As soon as we looked up over our heads and heard nothing but silence, we audibly rejoiced <laughs> that we had a comfy bed and there was a roof over our heads. Um, it was a rough week. Um, and I don't think this is, this is bad, um, that we rejoice in response to something. Um, this is all throughout the Bible. Um, but I think at this, the same time, we are called to rejoice no matter what. Rejoicing through the highs, through the lows, and even through the, the middles. When, when life is the same and rejoicing, and a rejoicing response may be harder to trigger. So King's Cross Church, if, if you guys take anything away from this summer series of rejoicing in, I do hope at the very least that it challenges you guys to be more rejoicing in every day of your life. So now as we shift gears to this topic of rejoicing in community. Um, this is a call to rejoice and thank God for the community that he has provided his people through Jesus Christ. And this response, um, and it is a response to the provision that God has given us. Now this, this sermon isn't gonna be exhaustive on community, what it means to be in community, um, but rather just some key, key uh, reasons why I think we should be rejoicing in community. Um, 
As you guys know, verses on community are all throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, and honestly, we could do a whole mini-series on what community is, what it means to be in community. Um, But this morning, we're going to focus on two main points, sanctification and blessings. So let's look at verse 1 in Psalm 133. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Amen. How good and pleasant is it when we are in community? Now, you, you might be saying to yourself, wait, Jeremy, this says unity, not community. Well, I think these are essentially synonymous. Um, the actual original idea of community actually meant common unities or people with a common purpose, common values, living in unity. So let's go back to that question. How good and pleasant is it when we are in community? It's so good, so pleasant. Um, And this seems like something that we should be rejoicing in, right? Right, King's Cross? Um, So I want you guys just take a moment, reflect about times in your life when you experienced uh, this good and pleasant community. And just rejoice and thank God for those times. God is good to us, and he has given us community on this earth while we wait to be reunited to him in heaven. Now, what I think is is interesting about this idea of community being good and pleasant is that I don't think this is just a, a Christian thing. All of humanity gets glimpses of this goodness and pleasantness that is tied to community. I think you might have heard it as a, a tribe. You hear this question like, who is your tribe? Like, who are your people? Like, what is your scene? Um, and in this day and age, I think communities, they surround everything. Um, think of all the different groups that are on, on Facebook, all the, the clubs that there are on, on college campuses, um, groups that you can subscribe to online, even Bridge Club that meets here after church, or Dungeons and Dragons. I know there's a group here that does that. Um, so, okay, this, this is real. Um, there's this group on Facebook called This Cat is Chonky, where people are united and posting pictures of thick cats. And that's, that's thick with two C's. And I remember there was this club at UCLA that was united and wearing shorts year-round. I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that, but there was. And there are thousands of groups out there that are all communities united in something. So what about Christian communities? Um, You probably guessed it. We are united in Christ. And what separates us from any other of these communities is that it is God, the creator of this universe, that unites us and has called us to something higher. As Christians, we can't just unsubscribe to a group anymore because we disagree with one of the other members in it. No, we are called uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.10 to agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And in, two sec- in 2 Corinthians 13.11, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's rejoice in this. How good and pleasant the community that we are called to. So let's continue to verse 2 um, in Psalm 133. It says, And it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, 
on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, there are a number of different interpretations here on on how this relates to the unity of God's people. Um, I'm just going to focus on one of them this morning. Um, And so this verse is is actually referring to Leviticus 8.12, which reads, He, that is Moses, poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. So for context, um, in Leviticus, Moses, as directed by God, consecrated Aaron and his sons with oil so that they could then listen to God, they could carry out their Levitical pastoral duties, and also live holy lives. Now, Exodus, Exodus 30, 29 says, We shall consecrate them so they will be most holy. Whatever touches them will be holy, just as the oil poured on it. Sorry, ju- they will be holy. So just as the oil poured on Aaron's head, consecrated or sanctified him for the holy priesthood, community, united in Christ, is critical to the same sanctification process today. So let's break this down a little bit. This means that when we are a part of Christ-centered community, we are actively opening ourselves up to the process of sanctification, which is this process of becoming less sinful and more like Christ. So I love what C.S. Lewis says here. He says, he works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Usually it is those who know him that bring him to others. That is why church, the whole body of Christians, showing him to one another is so important. It is so easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects, education, buildings, missions, holding services. The church exists for no other purpose but to draw men to Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It's crazy, right? Let's rejoice that when we are in community, we become less sinful and more like Christ. And I I praise God for that. Um... You know, like, this process of sanctification, like, it's a painful process if you've had to come face-to-face with it, and let alone having to go face-to-face with it with other people, it sounds really scary, and it's hard, but that is what God has called us to. So what I'm going to say here is, is kind of counter, rather countercultural to this day and age, but let's rejoice in the pain and the hardship and the conflict that do come with community, but do lead us to becoming more Christ-like. Um, when we look at today's culture, we see people shying away and hiding from conflict, often behind protection of a, a screen. Um, we see people encouraged to unfriend and, um, yeah, unfriend someone who hasn't, who isn't like them or who has offended them. Um, and this is what the, the enemy, the, the prince of the power of air wants us to do. Who, he has a domain over this world right now, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants disunity. But as I said earlier, we are called to something higher, and that higher is good and perfect. That higher is rejoicing, worth rejoicing in, and that higher is Christ. 
Like it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11 again, strive for full restoration, encouraging one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So I want to encourage you guys, challenge you guys this morning not to run away from community when things get hard. When trials arise or maybe you get your feelings hurt, um, it's in these moments that Jesus invites us to stay and experience forgiveness and sanctification through him. It's sticking through these moments that break down barriers and sin that are getting in the way of relationships with each other and with Jesus. So, time to get real. I'll, I'll be honest, this, this whole thing, this area has always been a tough um, area in my life, something I've struggled with. Um, historically, I'd rather just ignore uh, conflict and just hope, hope it passes. Um, and I can be a pretty stubborn person. I'm honestly fine just sitting there in awkwardness and, and letting con the conflict just dissipate. If you're in my community group, you know I love awkward silences. I'm fine with them. But I've been through enough different communities that I've learned over time to seek the opportunity of sanctification. When I was leading a, a team in the Middle East, um, I can still clearly remember being called out um, for not loving the other people on my team, putting my own self-interests above theirs, and even using my power as a leader to sway uh, the group into certain decisions. And this wasn't something I was trying to do on purpose. It was just sin affecting my decisions, my leading, and unfortunately affecting those around me. It took someone from my team to take me aside and address this sin in my life and the hurt that I had caused. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know otherwise. Um, and of course, you know, Obviously, my initial response was to ignore it <laughs> and to just want to brush it off and even withdraw from community and isolate myself. But thank God in this specific situation, like these guys were my team and my community. I couldn't just decide to leave or unplug myself from that community. I had to actually face that sin and the hurt that I had caused. And I had to repent, ask for forgiveness just as we're called to in Romans. And I got to experience God's sanctification and Jesus' tangible forgiveness um, through those on my team. And this was extremely hard and painful, but surely it, was, it is rejoice, worth rejoicing over. So I want to encourage and, and challenge you guys to rejoice in community, especially in the face of hardship and conflict. Let's not be a church that hides away from our sin and conflict or decides to move on and start over when things get hard or you become offended, just as culture is preaching to us today. Let's face it, endure the pain, looking to Jesus to pick us up and restore us in our relationships. Okay, let's continue on through uh, to verse 3 of Psalm 133. Reads, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. So let's rejoice in the fruitfulness and the blessings that come from community. Um, now, unless you really know me, uh, you probably don't know that I'm actually a huge geography, 
um, environment and weather nerd. Um, so it's actually verses like this that really get me excited and pumped up. <laughs> and so <laughs> I do want to dive in this a little bit, but um, I'll try to be brief, so bear with me. Um, so Mount Hermon is actually more of like a cluster of mountains, um, and they straddle the border of Lebanon, Syria, and present-day Palestine, what used to be Israel. Um, it sits about uh, 9,200 uh, feet above sea level, and is usually covered with snow year-round. Um, these mountains are actually are the source of the Jordan River, which feed the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Um, and given their extreme height compared to everything else around it, something called orthographic precipitation occurs, um, which I'll just dive into this real quick. So what, what that means is there's moisture-rich air coming uh, west to east over the, from the Mediterranean. It's going like this. It hits the mountains, is forced up, and what happens is uh, the clouds, the moisture is formed to condense. Uh, it's forced to condense in some sort of precipitation. And so this could be rain, this could be snow, or this could be dew. <laughs> Hence where the dew of Hermon comes from. And now this image of, of dew is actually frequently uh, seen throughout uh, the Bible. And is used to convey this idea of blessings and fruit that come from God. So really quick, I'm just going to go through four quick verses um, through the Old Testament that talk about dew. Um, so they're going to be up here. Uh, Proverbs 19.12 reads, A king's wrath is like the growling of a lion, but his favor is like dew on grass. So here we're seeing the image of dew as favor. Isaiah 18.4 reads, For thus the Lord said to me, I will quietly look from my dwelling like clear heat and sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Here is seeing the image of dew as reprieve. Hosea 14.5 reads, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. Here we see this image of dew as life and strength. And lastly, in Micah 5.7, it reads, Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. Here we're seeing the image of dew as life and blessings. So how does this relate then, going back to Psalm 133, to uh, Mount Zion? Uh, well, for, for reference, Mount Zion was where the Temple Mount um, was and, or wherever the center of Jerusalem was um, or is. Um, God's kingdom is also referred to as Mount Zion. So, in this verse, we're seeing that community is a blessing to God's kingdom. Pretty simple. I had to go through all that, but that's what it means. Um, so, let's ask ourselves, what fruit is being produced when God's people are united? Well, I think similar to how God talks about um, the church body um, in the New Testament, when we are in community, we have to live life with people who are different from us. They have different giftings, different weaknesses, different cultures and upbringings. They may even interpret verses from the Bible slightly different from you. Um, and when we come together in Christ, this actually, all these differences bear fruit um, and blessings flow from God. I like what Dr. Art Lindsley, he's at the C.S. Lewis Institute, I like C.S. Lewis, um, says here. He says, when we live our lives in isolation, 
What we have is unavailable, and what we lack is unprocurable, wrote Basil, an early church father. When we live our lives independently, other people are poorer because they cannot benefit from our gifts. What we have is unavailable. Also, when we isolate ourselves, we are poorer because the benefits of others' gifts are lost to us. So what we lack, we cannot get. There are good things in others that are unprocurable unless we interact with them. So if we take on the role of Lone Ranger believer, others are poor and we are poorer too. So much truth in that. So let's look at the, the rest of verse 3 here. Um, it reads, For there the Lord has commanded the blessings, life forevermore. So there is something beautiful um, that is indeed a blessing from God when peop- God's people commit their lives to each other in Christ. Now, one of the things that I, I think about um, is people giving up their, their time and their resources for each other. And I've definitely seen this um, in, commu- um, in community groups here at King's Cross Church, um, countlessly. And this I rejoice in. Um, I think back to people providing for each other financially uh, when a member of their community group got laid off, and in this I rejoice. I think back to people providing meals for a couple in their community group who just had babies, and this I rejoice. And I think back to ri- people rising up in prayer and support when someone's gone through hardship and tragedy, tragedy in their life, and in this I rejoice. Acts 2, 42 through 47 reads this. I'm sure you guys have heard this before. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. King's Cross Church, I am encouraged and rejoiced because honestly, when I, when I read this verse, I picture this church. Um, what I really love here when it says the Lord added to their numbers daily is that this is not just about adding numbers, but this is about lives actually being changed and transformed as they decide to follow Christ and join in his community. And this is happening here at King's Cross Church. Rejoice in the baptisms that are happening at the end of this month. Lives are being changed here, guys. And what this means is that the fruit that comes from Christ-centered community It's not just for us as Christians. Um, It's seen and benefited by others as well. Um, Community is a witness for God, and God uses it to bring people to him. Let's rejoice and thank God for this truth. So there it is, King's Cross. In Christ-centered community, we get to experience God, the creator of our universe, and his blessings. We get to partake in sanctification uh, and be made more like Christ. 
These truths about community are surely worth rejoicing. So if you are already plugged in to community, this is what I have to say to you. Rejoice in the community that you have, even if at times it's hard or it's not your ideal community. Stay present and rejoice, even if this community isn't like past experiences that you've had in community. Even if it's not your ideal community in your mind, it's a community that God has provided for you and deliberately placed you in in this season. What could he be teaching you in this season, in this community? What gifts are you robbing your community of by not being present? God has you there for a purpose and a reason. And if you're not plugged into a community, this is for you. Rejoice in the community that is available to you and the blessings that do come from it when you are united in Christ. And I encourage you to get plugged into community. So how do you get plugged into community? Just a, a few spitballing, just a few things before we wrap up. Um, start attending a community group or Bible study, wherever you are. Maybe it's initiating and being proactive uh, with believers around you. And don't be surprised when you realize they also want to be a part of community. Maybe you're ready to commit to a ministry team and serve. Or maybe at this point for you, it's just faithfully showing up to church on a Sunday and being open to see how God leads you towards community. So King's Cross Church, let's rejoice and be thankful for the community that God has given his people. Thank you. Pray with me, guys. Father God, um, we thank you for your truths here this morning. Um, we thank you for the blessings that come and the fruit that comes when we gather in Christ-centered community. Uh, we are thankful for the sanctification that happens when we are part of Christ-centered community. Um, even though it can be challenging at times, Lord, um, we do pray um, in your strength that you would give us to just stay present, to lean into that hardship, um, trusting you, Jesus, and experience that sanctification and forgiveness. Would we rejoice um, that in community we are being made more like you, Jesus? Um, we thank you that in community your name is glorified, that people get to see you, that people get to come to you, that your church is grown, your lives are changed, people get to know you, Lord, and in that is something that we rejoice over, God. So I pray as we... Uh, just go this week, Lord, um, that you'd be working in our hearts the spirit of rejoicing, um, and specifically this week, rejoicing in the community that you've given us, that you've blessed us with here on earth um, as we wait your return. We love you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.